Welcome to the PNC studio at Hallis Hall. This is Monsters of the Midway Live. I'm Lauren Screeden alongside Bears senior writer Larry Mayer and former Bear Tom Thayer. Great to have you guys here again today. And it's great to have all of you guys who are tuning in. Remember that you can send us questions on Twitter and Facebook Live. If you're watching on that, you can be sure and comment there. So we're going to try and get to those throughout the show. But first, uh, let's do a little news of the day. Injury report just came out. Yes, good news on the injury front today. All three wide receivers that were hurt, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, all practice in full for the second straight day. Also, more good news, Tom, Eddie Jackson, the safety, I'm sure everybody wants to know about this. He came back as limited in practice today, so that's good news for the Bears in terms of having him come back from his ankle. Yeah, you know what, too, it's perfect practice conditions, and I think it's really important because you want to put him out there on a surface that's going to be similar to your playing conditions and get a, uh, you know, get a feel and then get a response from Eddie Jackson. I think it's really good news that he, he was on the field today, and hopefully the best is yet to come. You know, still enough time to continue to work on him. And Aaron Lynch is the only one that still is out of practice with the elbow injury that he suffered a couple of weeks ago. But like I said, it's great news, especially to have Allen Robinson there, the number one receiver on this team, and also, again, to have Eddie Jackson coming back. Absolutely. And we talked with Anthony Miller a little bit in the locker room, and I thought it was interesting when he said that he hasn't been 100% all season, but he's still been able to make big plays. I think that says a yeah. lot about him. Well, it's pretty amazing, Tom. And he said that his shoulder came, became dislocated in the last game in Minnesota for the third time this season, and they had to pop it back in. And he said there's no consideration at all to missing this game and no consideration to shutting down. He's obviously a tough kid from Memphis, and this is a guy that came to Memphis as a, as a walk-on and ended up being a second-round draft pick in the NFL. That says a lot. Yeah, but I have to add a little reality to this. I really admire Anthony Miller and the way he's dedicated himself to take on a heavy workload as a rookie and get the most out of him for this year you got to make a really responsible game day decision in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. If I have a player that is susceptible to an injury and may not be able to give me four quarters, I have to think if there's a better option. And I respect the heck out of Anthony Miller, but I also have to understand the real process of making the right game day roster decision is that's going to best help the team. That's a good point, and I think that a lot of that comes in evaluating how they are practicing. So what does a Thursday look like, you know, three days from a playoff game? Well, Thursday is going to be a heavy emphasis day for Anthony Miller because that's when you're going to put in a majority of your passing game. All distances on the field, no matter where you are, red zone, goal line in the middle of the field, and so that will be the majority of the emphasis. You're going to have to go through the process of going through the run game preparation because we know here that the wide receivers are as instrumental in the blocking schemes of this offense as is the offensive lineman and anybody else on the field. You've got to trust a lot, too, also what the trainer, Andre Tucker, thinks and also what Anthony Miller is telling you because you're not going to have full, full contact in practice no matter what happens. He's not going to get hit by a cornerback like he would in the game. So mm -hmm. they're going to have to kind of look at what they've done this season and how he's reacted to the injuries and, and see him out there. And I, I have a feeling we'll see him out there on Sunday. Let's talk about what the O-line is doing to get ready mm -hmm. for this Eagles defensive line. I think the O-line has done a tremendous job. I think Harry Heastead is one of the most valuable coaches throughout the entire NFL landscape of all positions. Given what he's gone through with the injury of Kyle Long, inserting James Daniels, a rookie, going through the, the snapping change of Kyle Long early in this, or Kyle, Cody Whitehair early in the season. Now, given that, when they've come up against the biggest challenges, either the Minnesota defensive line, the Los Angeles Rams defensive lines, or all the other good ones they face throughout the season, they've been up to that challenge. 
But there's going to be no bigger test than this week's against Fletcher Cox and his whole crew of that defensive line because they play about seven guys. They play very effective inside and outside. But I love this challenge because, you know, when, when I think when everybody felt, are they up to the challenge of the Rams? They proved everybody they were up to any challenge set aside in front of them. And then when you look at what they faced last week in Minnesota with that crowd noise that can really hurt the offensive line, they stood up to the challenge. And by the end of the game, there was more bear noise in that stadium than there was Viking noise. I think one of the moves in the offseason among all the many that the Bears made that were excellent that kind of goes unnoticed a little bit is that Harry Heastan did come in here from Notre Dame. And this is a guy that you talk to his former players like Olin Krutz, Ruben Brown, who he both coached here in his first stint with the Bears, and they went to the Pro Bowl. They rave about the guy. And if Olin Krutz is raving about someone like that, I'm going to believe what he says because he's such a, a solid veteran, established veteran. And you look at the way that they've decreased the number of penalties, pre-snap right. and holding. I only remember, I think, maybe three holding penalties right. on the offensive line the entire season. Yep. And that's just incredible and really speaks to what Harry has done. He doesn't get a whole lot of credit. Well, you know what? Mike McGlinchey, the, the first-round offensive tackle that was drafted by San Francisco, I had a chance to talk to him on the field before the game. And he says he owes his football life to Harry Heastan because he was the guy that – understood the commitment change that he needed to make in college he was able to make it and he was able to you know grow you know grow that into a future that is unlimited so you had two Notre Dame greats just hanging out together in the field oh, just you know, Rudy probably should have been there Those too. Notre Dame yeah. guys you know hey you know we try to get as you know try to get it was nice getting the introduction to him really because you don't get a chance to meet these guys throughout the career and now you might have a chance to meet him six or seven times throughout his NFL career the Eagles' D-line sticks out. So does Zach Ertz. Let's talk about him as a tight end. 116 catches this season alone. What do you do to even start to try and contain him? First of all, it starts at the line of scrimmage. You know uh, what? He's 116 catches, 1163 yards, 10-point average. He's got all everything. But you can't allow him to stand at the line of scrimmage and just run off field and make the catch. You gotta. It maybe it takes a Klilmack or a Leonard Floyd or someone you know at the line of scrimmage in his face to make sure he has to alternate his route. And then it kind of interferes with the timing of the play. I don't know if you can completely take him out of the game, but you can make Nick Folds look to other areas um, of the field, maybe mm -hmm. further distances that make him hold on to the ball a little bit longer, that provide you the opportunity to get to him and get some sacks or get some hits. But, you know, Zach Ertz is the same reason why Matt Nagy talks so much about why they brought Trey Burton here, because he's the most important player on their offense, and he has been for quite a while. He plays kind of like a wide receiver, too, and this is a guy that's very experienced, and he's very good against zone defenses. He's very good at setting in the middle of his zone defense and finding the open spots, and him and Nick Foles obviously work really well together. You mentioned 116 receptions. That's the most ever by a tight end in NFL history, and it's also the second most receptions by any player this year. So this is a guy that, you know, we may not know a lot what's going to happen on Sunday, but they're going to throw the ball to Zach Ertz, and it's going to be up to the Bears in the middle of the field to stop him. And I think what the Bears have done a really good job of this year is when they do give up receptions, they tackle the guy almost immediately. Right. And that's one of the big differences I've noticed between this year and previous years. Ro Roquan, Danny Trevathan, um, Adrian Amos, all those guys, they have been so great at limiting yards after catch to tight ends and those inside receiver positions. It has been a big help for the Bears defense.
Let's go to a fan question real quick. Um, Rex wants to know, in this current, current Bears offense, how much flexibility does Mitch have to change the play at the line? That's not from Rex Grossman, is it? It is not from okay, Rex Grossman. He's from Rex. Maybe Rex he's trying to learn Rukavina? something. Rukavina? Uh, I, I don't think know. Is that Grossman That's spelled why I was going to go with just Rex. Thank I you for calling me out, though. Well, it, it might be know. Grossman because he's wondering because you know he didn't maybe get to change plays as much as he wanted, and he's probably wondering about. Well, you know, there was a system that Rex Grossman ran. They had terminology built into when you were going to make a change and there was a live color and then you change the play. Every time that Mitch goes to the huddle, he calls two plays in the huddle. And now when you go to the line of scrimmage, you get an evaluation of the placement of your personnel defense, and then you make a call according to the plan. So Mitch, he's got as much, uh, he's got as much ability to change the play at the line of scrimmage than any quarterback probably has here since Jim McMahon. And that's the unique thing about this RPO offense is there's so much that you can do at the line of scrimmage. And our, you know, back in our day, our hands were tied. You know, we went to the line of scrimmage. Walter was in the backfield. They got eight guys up at the line of scrimmage, and we still ran the ball. Right. But didn't it, Jim McMahon just call whatever he wanted? Let's be honest. Well, he he did, but there was a different way you went about calling it. Nowadays, with two plays called in the huddle, you can easily – everybody understands their assignments from A to B to C. You know, Matt Nagy said something really interesting this week. It was about the growth that Mitch has showed, and he said – He's got so much growth, he's shown so much growth that he's no longer looking at the offense when he sets up behind center. He's looking at the defense. So he's comfortable enough with the play call and where everyone's going to be and what everyone's supposed to do that now he can start reading the defense pre-snap and then adjust accordingly. I think that was a great compliment to Mitch when Matt said that. Yes. If the quarterback knows what's going on you know, before the snap, after the snap, when you're looking at defense or offensive placement, that's high praise. Definitely. And if you guys are just tuning in, remember that you can – Write your questions on Facebook if you're tuned in on Facebook Live, or you can be sure and tweet them to Larry or myself. I'll probably be checking Twitter. Larry, phone, I'm anything? Your no. Twitter. Okay, so. I'll, I'll keep on that. But thanks so much for joining us. If you are tuned in right now, this is Monsters of the Midway Live. And we were just talking about Coach Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky. And I just got to say, I mean, that's the kind of relationship that you want between your quarterback and head coach, right? Does it get any better? Well, it doesn't. It I mean, you look at all the successful organizations around the NFL, and it all starts with the head coach and the quarterback relationship and how it has time to develop that you understand the system, you know the terminology, the better you get to know it, the better you get to know it the next year. And as long as you can be involved in football in the same system, every year you'll learn something more. You'll be able to teach your receivers, your backs, your line a little bit more. And that's why you see these great quarterbacks are able to develop receivers because of the similarity in the system. And last week, that's what's so impressive about Kevin White and Javon Wims because here they are inserted in the game with the injuries, and Mitch has no fear of going to him. I just think that says a lot about, you know, everybody takes a responsibility for what they can contribute. I think it says a lot about the Bears, too, and the strategy that they showed in the offseason, because let's face it, there's no import, more important position in pro sports right than a quarterback oh. and right guard. But, I mean, think about it. The quarterback <laughs> touches the, the ball on every play. You could say a starting pitcher in baseball, but he only plays every four or five days. Right. You could say a goalie in hockey. But I'm going to say that a quarterback is the most important position. And the Bears not only tried to kind of copy and, and follow the blueprint the Rams had with Sean McVay, 
But so they bring in Matt Nagy. But not only did they do that, they brought they kept Dave Ragone here, who's a great quarterbacks coach. They brought in Mark Helfrich, who was at Oregon with all those crazy offenses and all those numbers they put up. But also what they did too is they brought two backup quarterbacks in, Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray. Both had experience in the system. So these three guys are sitting together in meetings. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like taking a foreign language class and you know nothing about it. And you're sitting with two people that know everything about it. Right. So he can bounce things off of them. And Chase Daniel isn't the type of guy that is trying to get the starting job. He knows what his role is. And I think it was just the, the perfect situation for Mitch to learn. I agree. Was that 100%. a personal experience where you were in a foreign language class and needed somebody sitting there? I finished in the top four fifths of my class in high school, though. Oh, okay. Wow. Dad jokes from Larry Mayer. Okay. Are there any other kinds? Well, you know, there really aren't. But you yeah. mentioned um, some of the moves in the offseason. And I don't think in this city that Labor Day weekend will ever be the same because the addition of Khalil Mack was a game changer, literally. Yeah, it was, you know, because I, I think the Bears were having a good experience through training camp. They were getting to understand what Matt Nagy and what this offense was going to be about, the continuous development of Mitchell Trubisky, the defense on their own. And, you know, their top ten defense last year, Vic came back, and, you know, all you know the defensive backs coming off their best year. And like you mentioned, all of a sudden, boom, Saturday morning at the end of um, training camp, here comes Khalil Mack. And I, I, I think – what Khalil did is he brought a certain sense of respect and seriousness to his approach to the game and that it's filtered into the locker room. And I think other people have been able to, um, you know, carry on his type of work ethic in the way that he gets himself prepared for football. So he has allowed some guys to expedite their growth. I agree with everything Tom said. And let's not forget, too, though, that it was the, it was the final move in an unbelievable offseason for Ryan Pace, mm -hmm. who really, and we don't really talk much about this, but he started by hiring Matt Nagy, and that was an incredible move. Right. You know, they brought back Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator, matched the offer sheet for Kyle Fuller. He tied for the NFL lead. You could go on and on with seven interceptions, brought in Allen Robinson and Gabriel and Burton and free agency, drafted Roquan, you know what? a whole bunch of guys. It's, it's really incredible that almost every move he made was like a home run. But I think going back to the Mitch move was probably the move of all moves throughout Ryan's yeah. career. Because, you know, when you're bringing Khalil Mack here, you know what, what you're getting as a proven pro. And when you, you bring in the other free agents, you had the quarterback here that's going to compliment you for years. And then you were able to hire the head coach because of the quarterback you already picked. You remember every room that we were in during the draft, every room had a different response to that trade-up for Mitchell Trubisky. And we didn't know what to because he didn't have a huge sample size from college to mm -hmm. understand what we are getting. But, God, I, I still think that's, of, of all these moves, yep. it's probably Mitch has been the most important. Definitely. And I think that the Mac move, I mean, like you said, it's, it says a lot he is a proven pro, but what does he have to do in the playoffs now? Twelve and a half sacks in the regular season, but now are the playoffs a totally different game? They are. You just got to keep the defense a good defense because I, I don't think the defense is completely relying on Khalil Mack. I think they're everybody doing their job and everybody fulfilling what their obligation is every time they break the huddle because Khalil Mack can't freelance and just rush the passer if he has a pass coverage responsibility, just sure. like Leonard Floyd or anybody in there. And I think that's the great thing about you see the respect these players have for Vic Fangio. He makes a defense huddle call. They know what it is, and they fulfill – their assignment. This isn't like basketball where you only have five guys on the floor. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. has to do their job. If you look at the Raiders, the Raiders were never the best defense in the NFL when Khalil Mack was on the Raiders. I think the Bears are the best defense right now. And it's more than just Khalil Mack. Obviously, he plays a big role. But 
again, kind of going off that, I think great players like him step up in the playoffs and improve their game. And the guy I'm thinking about is Richard Dent. Richard Dent was the guy that always put up numbers, but then when the playoffs came, he was unstoppable. But, you know, you look at that whole supporting cast, though. You look at how well Ming played, how well Hamp played, Otis, you know, Singletary, Wilbur. Every one of those guys, they played up to what was expected out of them, and then they raised that level, level a little bit more when you go into the playoffs. You know, no one scored on them in the playoffs. Right. It's insulting. And I think the Bears have that type of desire to play together in the camaraderie that Matt has created – it's, it's um, contagious. Let's take another minute for a fan question from Jay Rios. Which matchup are you looking forward to the most on Sunday? You want to start with this? I'm going to say everybody's talking about Kyle Long against Chris Long. Right. But I, I can't wait to see Kyle Long against Fletcher Cox. I right. mean, these are two mm -hmm. behemoths in there, Pro Bowl guys that are just going to be teeing off on each other pretty much every play going face-to-face, nose-to-nose, helmet-to-helmet in the trenches. To me, that's exciting. I'm sure a lot of people say Alshon Jeffrey against Prince or Kyle Fuller, but I want to see those guys battle out. And as a former guard, I'm guessing that excites you too. Well, you know, I don't know if Kyle and Chris will ever touch each other because Chris is going to rush from the outside. Right. If they run a designed stunt on pass protection where the defensive tackle goes inside and then Chris loops around, that's when Kyle would have a chance to get him, hit him. I think that would be right. a lot of fun. That would be the perfect scenario for two brothers to collide. But you mentioned it, Zach Ertz. If you don't stop, if you don't limit, if you don't control Zach Ertz and make Nick Folds look from here, out here, you could help your defense, but you, if you don't slow that process between Folds and Zach Ertz, it's really, it affects the, the rest of the offense. Then you got Darren Sproles involved, and you got Aguilar, and you got Alshon. You got all these guys, if you get one guy active in Zach Ertz, if you limit his activity, activity it's going to slow the offensive process. In terms of Kyle Long, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and even if he's not designed to block his brother, I think there's going to be some point. You think he'll chase him around the field I think there'll be a some? pile, or there'll be somewhere, there'll be a downfield block, an opportunity. Uh, just hopefully, keep it legal. Hopefully not an interception return, but there'll be some time when Kyle blocks Chris Long. I think I'd be willing to bet on that. Well, we talked about it yesterday, but that's why his mom's going to just be like this, <laughs> yeah. like not even looking. Um, let's go to another fan question. You guys keep sending them in if you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Monsters of the Midway Live. Our next fan question is from Matt Powell. Can the Bears run against Eagles defensive line? I think they can. Um, I think they've ran the ball a lot more successfully the last couple of weeks. I know mm -hmm. that Jordan Howard has produced more. Yeah. Both of his 100-yard games have come in the last four weeks, and, and it seems like that they're putting the ball in his hands more, and he's responding. I, the weather's not really going to be a factor because it's supposed to be in the oh, 40s perfect. And, and, oh, and fine. Nice. So, Good news. Um, but I, I do think that they could run the ball on the Eagles. I think that might – I don't want to say it's a weakness, but I know the Eagles' pass rush is what they're known for. I would love to see the Bears take it right to them and run it right at them. I agree with you, Larry. You know, we hear a lot about Jim Schwartz's wide nine defense. That means he's playing the defensive ends extremely wide outside the offensive tackles. So now you got two defensive tackles covering a big area. And that's a lot of responsibility because every time that you block them, you can have three guys against two. So say Cody Whitehair and Kyle Long are having a nice time with Fletcher Cox and then James Daniels can be over here against Jernigan or whoever else they want to play. Or if you flop it over, I still think that interior battle is going to do a lot to tell you what this game plan is all about. But I also think the physical style of running with Jordan Howard in an interior battle, I do think the Bears will be able to run it against when them. When Tom Thayer talks offensive line, I just want to watch the game right now. I want the game to start right now, kickoff.
It's, it's so, so exciting. Isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. It's so exciting. People don't realize when these lights talk off, we just sit here for like two hours and listen talk and talk about opposite yeah. line. That's exactly. Great stuff. That's exactly what we do. Yes. Um, a lot of people are talking about it. You know, Alshon Jeffrey coming back to Chicago. What is that? What is that like when you're coming back to play the team that you spent a lot of? I mean, he He's did coming spend back a lot with time the Super Bowl ring. Yes. When he got a contract from another team, even though he did want one with the Bears, but things weren't, it wasn't the perfect mm-hmm. crossroads for him. Alshon's a heck of a player. He's still a 6'4", long wingspan, good jumper, uh, deceptively fast, not a burner, but he's, he does have some speed. So he's probably had, you know, probably 200 to 350 reps against Kyle Fuller, and he's probably had another 300 reps against Prince or a couple hundred reps against Prince Mukamara. Not not here, but um, so they're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. They have the good offense to use Alshon Jeffrey, but I think Alshon will be coming back with some emotions, even though he doesn't want to say it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that he's played better with Nick Foles as the quarterback than Carson Wentz. And mm-hmm. it, it seems to me, and I don't know this for a fact, of course, it seems to me he f- feels more cohesiveness with Nick Foles. So it's going to be even ultra important to get pressure on the quarterback on Sunday. And I know we've chatted about this a little bit, but, again, what do you have to do to try and contain Nick Foles? Well, like I said, I think pressure is the, I think the number one key to this game is generate a consistent pass rush on Nick Foles. I know he likes getting rid of the ball quickly, but give him hard decisions. Like I said yesterday on, on this fine show, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers rot, rattled before against the Bears, and he was rattled this year because of the pass rush. Jared Goff was rattled against the Bears, and they have to do the same thing this Sunday. Right. You know, they did a great job of, against Aaron Rodgers is either keeping him in the pocket, trying to look for a throwing area, and he did, never found it, or else pushing him to his left, pushing him to the way that a right-handed quarterback doesn't like to throw. And so I think that then you can – you know, fortify your rush in controlling the quarterback, either with the desire to keep him inside the pocket or try to push him out left and maybe have him throw it awkwardly on the run. I know they have a lot of confidence in Nick Foles after he took him to the Super Bowl and he's stepping in this year again. But if you can get to him, no human being is going to be the same if you keep hitting him after time after time. And again, he had rib injuries last, last week and he's sore. Um, he practiced in full today. He was limited yesterday. But it's got to be a factor well, at all when you have a rib injury as a quarterback and you're getting hit. I, I, you know, I've had the unfortunate need to get a rib injury shot up before, and it's not a pleasant feeling. And Nick Foles has already talked about how he's going to need extra protection. So what does that mean? Does that mean he's going to need extra bodies to stay in to protect him from the pass rush? Or does it need that he's going to need some medical technology to give him extra protection? So, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how they're going to give him the extra protection by bodies or by help. But at this point in the season, I mean, how much does adrenaline have a factor? Everybody's banged up right now, right? I mean, this has been a long season. We're talking... Playoff adrenaline is different. It's got to be, right? Playoff adrenaline, you know, you're going to the stadiums, you know that there's a lot of other guys that are sitting home tuning in the TVs that are usually getting dressed themselves to go out and play a game. You know you're one of the few that's going to the practice field. All that kind of stuff builds up during the week. I mean, I feel it as a has-been. And it, it's different. Tom, you're not a, you're not a no, It is. I mean, but you, you feel it. You feel the whole playoff atmosphere. And it's, I'm just excited for the Bears fans and for the players to be able to f- 
you know, grow from this opportunity. So how do you harness that so it doesn't get to be too much, so you don't try to do too much? Because I know a couple games when Mitch hasn't played particularly well, after the game he said, I was trying to do too much, I need to stay within myself. So how do you do that? It works itself out. You'll go down there the first eight or nine plays, you'll be breathing like you've never had any physical activity in your life. You'll be exhausted, you'll be looking for help, then all of a sudden you start settling down and just get involved in the game. I think every player that goes out there is going to be jacked up at the beginning, and then eventually you'll start earning that that common feeling of the game. Even I'm, I mean, I'm excited. Right. Like you know, when, <laughs> right. when, when you're, you're in that atmosphere, yeah, it's, so it'll be it fun. really. Well, is. you know, you're going to be closer to the action than most people. You're going to be down on the sidelines, so you're going to feel that adrenaline and feel what it's like down there, the sure. intensity. So you're gonna, suit up, you just you're gonna have your know. game face on you at least, know. right? I hope. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go to another fan question. Caesar Cortez says, "Is the Eagles' O line the best the Bears have faced this season?" You're the expert in this area, so. I think so. You look at their two offensive tackles. You look at Kelsey, their center. They have really good help, helping guards. They're going to make a change at the left guard position. They're going to take out Stefan Wisniewski and put in um, Isaac. Uh, uh, Sumalo? Uh, yeah, Sumalo, who's a big guy, is a right. big thick guy. But now he's recovering from a chest injury, right. and, I didn't, and I think they're changing him because they feel he's a better football player than Wisniewski. So that's going to be interesting to, to see if the Bears can take advantage of that. But, you know, it, it's, their offense complements their offensive line. They got good athletes at the tackle position, one of the best ever at the left tackle, Jason Peters, multiple pro bowler. So... This, this could be one of the best complement of, of coaches, offensive line, quarterback, in downfield effectiveness. We have another fan question, and you guys keep uh, sending those in because we are getting to those and love chatting with you guys. Alex H. wants to know, who's the key player to make a difference? Generally, in the game. In the well, game, I mean, that's it. We have a, I'm you not can go really, wherever you want with this. I mean, I'm not going out Alex on a limb H. when I say the two key players to me are Mitchell Trubisky and Khalil Mack on both sides of the ball. If they perform at the highest levels that they're capable of, the Bears are going to win the game. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if he's looking for like a under-the-radar type of player, but no, those two obviously Alex are the ones. I think Alex H. gave you free reign there, okay, so well, I mean, you can I would, go wherever you want. Mitchell Trubisky has to play like he has the last three weeks. He has to take care of the football, make smart decisions, know when to escape the pocket, and not make mistakes. Well... A little bit different, you know, close to Mitch, but a little closer to the football. If you could take that camera that floats above the field, and all you did is you focused it on the two guards in center and the two defensive tackles, and that's all you watched, you, I could tell you the story of the game just because of how that battle is going to come out. Because um, Cody touches the football to start every football play. Fletcher Cox is as close to the football and the quarterback as you can get to be disruptive to a team's offense. So if you just took those five players and put them in a capsule and showed nothing else, they'll tell you the story of the game. That's called Tom Thayer TV, by the way. I There's know. I kind of want to see well, I get this. That, I get that on cable. This after it's after the show. We do right. this for no, the next couple hours. It's a cable channel, and you just see those guys, and it's great, watch, great watching <laughs> Just have a little drone exactly. that flies above them. Exactly. Thanks for everyone who's joining us right now on Monsters of the Midway Live. We're still taking fan questions. So Eric Smith says, will Mitch take advantage of the Eagles' mediocre secondary? That's the plan, obviously, but the the problem with that is that the front seven in front of the secondary is very good. So Mitchell will need 
some protection. They've had a lot of injuries in the back end. I think we talked about this yesterday. Half of the secondary now are former Bears players that were reserves here. But they have lost a couple guys. Malcolm Jenkins is still healthy as far as I know, so it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But on paper, the biggest advantage for the Bears seems to be their receivers, especially if they're healthy against the Eagles secondary. But again, you've got to block the front seven. Yeah, that's, that is the key. You've got to block the front seven, but they are susceptible to giving up some long passes on the back end. If there's any one area that's vulnerable because of injuries on the opponent, on the Eagles, it's the defensive backfield. So now, how are they going to think about Mitchell Trubisky? Are they going to dedicate one of the guys up front to spy Mitchell Trubisky because how effective he is running the ball? Because if he gets these guys a couple times in man coverage and they're able to push that wide nine in that pocket up front and Mitch takes off, all of a sudden that ripcord, that emergency button, that break is pulled because now the opponent's going, oh, my God, we got to protect against Mitch as well as, you know, making sure, you know, if he does throw the ball. So I do think they're vulnerable in the back end, but Mitch makes everybody scared because mm -hmm. he's running so well. Yeah, with, the, with his ability to run and all the injuries the Eagles have in the secondary, don't you think that the Philadelphia's going to play a lot, mostly zone? Yeah, but, I mean, they can play it. If, if Mitch and Coach Nagy, they devise a scheme to take advantage of it, they're going to have to switch. You don't have the luxury of sitting in one thing and say, okay, I'm going to sit in this coverage the whole game. You know, it, you got, there's vulnerabilities to every coverage. I think Mitch's running ability is incredible. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of people have been talking about that lately, but he has the great knack not only with his athleticism, but he knows when to run the ball, and he knows when to escape the pocket but still look downfield to make a play. Right. Which has just been part of his development yes. again. I mean, it's just it's crazy to see how far he has come. It almost seems like he throws more accurately while he's running with the ball than mm -hmm. in the pocket, and it's just it's really hard to do that. Yeah. And it's very you impressive. you teach him that, Larry? Uh, I did not teach him, but oh, I do okay. appreciate the ability to do that. <laughs> sure. Phil Gillette says, can our special teams get a kick return? Wow. I mean, I don't know who's well, even going to return. You know, yeah. they've been through so many returners. And the whole culture, the whole landscape of kick return in the NFL has changed so much that, um, yeah, this is a great time of year to try to expose a, a special teams if they do, you know, are susceptible in that area and try to get one out. But you got to think of the statistics along of getting the starting your possession at the 25-yard line every time. If you got out there and you had these long, sustained kickoff return blocks and you got some penalties, now you're starting in the 10, 12-yard line, that's when you're playing right into the hands of the defense. I'd be fine if they take a knee every kickoff and start at the 25 because it seems like throughout – you watch the NFL – it's obviously not the case, but it seems like half the time there's a flag on a kickoff return. Um, Anthony Miller was the one who was doing it most recently, so we'll see. But you know what? The college players coming out are not getting any reps of live kickoff returns because there's these fair catches all over the place. You've got to start developing talent to get the job done legally. I did it my whole career. I know what it's like to be on kickoff return, and there's nothing more demoralizing than returning a kickoff for a touchdown. I mean, that's... That is momentum like that's hard to stop. Now, I know you played double-digit years with the Bears on special teams. Did you ever have a kick return? Nope. Did you they ever... never wanted a kick to me. I was the big weapon. I was Bradley Sewell before Bradley Sewell was the big weapon. <laughs> well, we know that the atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric on Sunday. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And it was cool because in the locker room t today, there were certain guys who were just saying how excited they are for that. And I know we were just talking a little bit about special teams. And one guy I have to point out, Sherrick McManus. He has just 
He said he's waited. He never gave up hope, though. And I think that's really cool when you get to see those guys who've been here a long time and are finally getting this moment that they've worked so hard for. Yeah, you know, you got to put he and Josh Bellamy almost in the same category. Because sure. the reason they're here is because they excelled on special teams. They were two of the most important guys since they've been here on the special teams, the development on every aspect of the special teams. They're valuable. And so when you see two of those guys having an opportunity to not only make their way through special teams and then get the opportunity to play regular reps. It's a great reward for their perseverance. And Sherrick's been on the roster, as I'm sure you know, longer than any other Bears, the longest tenured yep. player here. He made the playoffs when he was with the Houston Texans in 2011, I want to say, but it's been a long time for him and he's excited. Well, been a long time for him and for Bears fans. Should be a fun game <laughs> on Sunday. For Tom Thayer, Larry Mayer, I'm Lauren Screed, and thanks so much for joining us on Monsters of the Midway Live. We'll see you guys later.